Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Monday, so you guys know what day it is, well, what time it is, or what it is that corresponds with Monday. Great intro, Dan. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We got a weekend to recap. Weekend number eight in the fantasy season. We're two months into this thing. We are officially a third of the way through the NBA season, uh, which is kind of crazy, but also it affords us this luxury of now kind of knowing what players are. This, the great leveling has now officially occurred. You know, around six weeks, it's pretty much settled. By eight weeks, I think we can feel pretty confident of what we're getting out of players. You'll see guys shift little bits, you know, two weeks here, two weeks there. They kind of move up and down the board, but overall, they're going to kind of come back to where they are. With the exceptions, of course, of guys that have missed time. Someone like a Dame, who got off to like a start in the 40s when his shooting was low and his turnovers were high, and now he's back and he's just thumping people. And LeBron is actually another really good example of that. He got off to a really slow start, but he's basically been a first-rounder since coming back from his last injury or like kind of like around the turn, roughly, because his assists are a tiny bit low. Uh, so you'll see guys like that continue to settle in a little bit. But overall, we kind of know what we're into right now, which is what made these last couple weeks... So uh, fun, frankly, because stars are actually coming back at the same time as teams that realized certain things weren't working are trying new things. So we've had ads, like traditional rest-of-season guy that could have value for the next three and a half months ads at the same time as streamers are dissipating. Kind of a fun little thing that's come together. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Fantasy NBA Today, that's the name. I think you all probably know that by now. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh, pretty much blown away, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've become weirdly obsessive about it, uh, but we're close to 14,700 people on Twitter that actually care about the dumb crap I'm saying. So thank you all for following. It's a big deal because it allows me to get information to you throughout the day. And it allows me to get you information about the cool stuff going on at Sports Ethos, which right now I want to try to do this a little more regularly on the pod, but just to kind of like throw something at you guys. Ethos wagering. Those guys, okay, so, and this is going to be, this is going to sound a little bit catty, but that's not really what it's meant to be. Um, because sports betting has become so much more mainstream, a lot of websites have asked their traditional basketball analysts to get into sports betting. That's a recipe for uh, disastrous, disastrous stuff. Um, so the... I'm really I'm trying to pick the right words because I don't want to sound like I'm calling anybody out. I, I, you guys know that I, that's never my intention here. But people that are just learning how to bet sports and then doing it as an analyst on top of everything else are not going to be that good at it. You need time to dedicate exclusively to that side of your equation, what you're learning how to do as opposed to like trying to do it while you're learning, 
you're going to lose people a ton of money. The reason I bring this up is because we didn't do it that way. And you guys know I have a history in sports betting. I worked for pregame.com for a couple of years. I hosted actually the first ever sports handicapping podcast way back in 2009. It was called Today in Sports Betting. We've resurrected it here at Sports Ethos. These guys were not traditional basketball analysts. They were sports bettors that we have then brought on to run a sports betting division. So you can bug them if you got questions. It's at Ethos Wagering. Yes, we sell something over there, obviously, because you got to power the locomotive. But you can talk to those guys about anything you want. Ethos Wagering, again, they're amazing. Blake LaWatch runs the whole division. Um, bug them, because that's the way you should do it. Don't be following a random basketball analyst who's like, oh, by the way, now I do sports betting now. I, it's happening at a lot of the really big websites uh, where folks like desperately need to take two years to just go into a hole and... They don't, they're, the people that are paying them are not going to let them do that. So, like, the CBS is the Yahoo's place like that. Before you guys think that I'm, like, again, calling somebody out, I just know someone's going to try to misinterpret this crap. And it's not that way. I just, I know the big sites are like, hey, you guys got to do this now. Because you see the way that is in the community. It's like if someone came to me and was like, Dan, do DFS. And I'd be like, and I'd fart out a DFS lineup. And it'd be terrible because I don't know what I'm doing. But that's what's happening at big websites. ESPN, hey, you guys got to go talk about sports betting now like you know what you're saying. They don't. Follow our guys because this is what they've done for their lives. Not fantasy and then, or like not even fantasy. Fantasy, at least you've got a shot because you're like deep into the numbers on that stuff. We're talking about like the talking heads, blah, 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 blahs, that have taught to talk sports betting now. They suck at it historically, I mean, there's like plenty of stories from the 80s and 90s of these guys that have amassed incredible betting debts. <laughs> they try to tell you who to put money on. Ah, well. Um, let's talk about fantasy basketball, okay? Because that's what we're here to do. We got a reverse chronological lightning round weekend to go back through, and there's a lot of good stuff to cover. Starting with Sunday. Last week, I actually went backwards from the evening through to the morning. And it was confusing, but I'm going to do it again, because if I'm going to call it reverse chronological lightning round, that's just how we're going to do it. Milwaukee lost in Houston. Whoopsies. Um, that's a real oopsies of a ball game. Uh, Chris Middleton turned his ankle. <sighs> we waited six freaking weeks for this dude to come back from his arm situation, and he made it a week, basically, before turning an ankle. Let's hope it's not too bad. Middleton, you know, for what it's worth... He generally doesn't have a lot of these little tweaks. That hasn't been the MO. It's been, you know, if it's one big thing that kind of knocks him out. But, I mean, this is part of why the big adage over here is don't draft injured players. And I got horn-swoggled into Chris Middleton because the Bucks did not give an indication that he was going to be out for a ton of time to start the year. But we're stuck with it now. And I have him in, like, three places, which is crushing. But this is what can happen. Guys come back. They're trying to basically have their preseason during the season. And you'd be like, Dan, a turned ankle can happen to everybody. Yeah, it sure can. But for everybody else, they would have logged six and a half weeks of games already. It's a little different when you have 22 games under your belt and then turn an ankle as opposed to three and then turn an ankle. Ah, grumble, grumble, grumble. Javon Carter's going to get a little bump. Grayson Allen's going to get a little bump. I'm not dealing with any of that stuff. Just sort of let it float on by. Um, Brooke Lopez was quieter. I mean, everybody was quieter. The Bucs scored 92 points. But lucky for us, Brooke still got his three blocks. 
and that's been able to float his value, so he remains at number 15 per game. He's played in 25 ballgames this year. Brook Lopez is number 11. First rounder by totals. Do you want to trade him? You can if you want to, but you better get a second rounder back at this point. He's done it for two months now. Why abandon ship on a guy that might win you blocks weekly? On the Houston side, Tara Eason, 13 minutes in this one. He was part of a unit that just got crushed, so got the hook. And this is the problem with being a reserve where your minutes aren't guaranteed. You guys have heard me talk about this. Basically every single ball game he's played over the last three weeks because I started getting a ton of questions about him. I never know what actually spurs people to start hitting me with questions about particular players. I assume it's... I feel like it's usually tied to Roto World doing a blurb on a guy that's like, here he comes, and then everybody's like, do I need to do something? Um, and I said it three weeks ago. I said it two weeks ago. I said it one week ago. I'll say it today. We're a little too early. He's a luxury stash right now. He is good enough on the head-to-head -head side, you know, in a four-game week... He's a worthwhile start, because over a four-game week, even a guy who's ranked in the 120s, 130s, is putting up enough value. Sort of think about it like a weekly format type of move. But overall, 8.5 points, 5 and change rebounds, good steals numbers, very low turnovers, good free throw percent. He's close, but he's not quite there yet. That's what I meant when I kept saying, we're too early. When I say we, I kind of mean whoever's started this snowball rolling downhill. On the season, is at 18 and a half minutes. Over the last two weeks, he's at 19 and a half minutes. So, like, I guess you could say that things are kind of trending in the right direction, but, you know, over the last week, he's at 19. So it's not really changing all that much. And over the last week, he is number 81, but he's also shooting 59% from the field, and he's made all, what, three, two or three of his free throws. So, you know, low volume, but 2.4 combined defensive stats. That's the stuff we're looking at with him. You can see... It's more than an outline. It's a very clearly drawn Sharpie of good fantasy stat set. But until Eric Gordon gets out of the way, there's it's just not happening. I mean, one rebound and two steals yesterday with three fouls and an 0-2 shooting. That's basically nothing. That's like what Middleton did, and he didn't even play. He played six minutes and got hurt. So this is... I'm not trying to compare Eason to Middleton. They're very different fantasy players. One of them is a you know, multiple-time All-Star. The other one is a guy just trying to find his a foothold in the NBA. And yeah, do I think Eason ends up with more minutes later on this year? I feel like the answer almost has to be yes, but we don't know how high it goes. Does it go to 20, 22, 24? Does Gordon finally get moved? So, luxury stash. You can't play him in Roto because you never know what game it's going to work. Atlanta beat Chicago 123-122. They got just enough out of their guys. Most notably, Clint Capella. Another really good game for Clint, and he's sitting top 40 on the year. He's been a big win getting drafted down in the 80s this season. Uh, Anyako Kanwu had a pretty good ball game there, but he continues to be a, you know, again, kind of a, a fill-in type. Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to get a day off for rest, but he's been awesome with DeJounte Murray out in particular. I am curious what he looks like when all three, if you're going to include him as sort of a high-volume guy, are all healthy at the same time. Because Trey, DeJounte, those are the clear one and two in the pecking order. Bogdan would be probably the number three, but kind of like jammed in there with John Collins when he's healthy. DeAndre Hunter came back. 
But again, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds in this one. The, the question for those of us kind of recapping a weekend and getting reset on the fantasy side, um, the do we stream any of these guys is the short iteration of this. Um, now, Bogdanovich, you could call a stream for now. I mean, I think you could probably call him a rest-of-season guy, uh, someone that does this much with basically one guy out in front of him that's kind of too big of a leap to, to say something. Well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Nomenclature. Um, DeAndre Hunter, A.J. Griffin are the two guys that you're kind of semi-looking at. Hunter, who... And neither one of them has a particularly good fantasy game. They mostly, mostly are scoring. Hunter, a few rebounds here and there. Griffin, a few steals here and there. I think we can probably pass on those guys with perhaps the exception of this game, because Trey Young is questionable, Bogdanovich is getting a rest day. Sure, if you want to go Hunter, because he's probably going to get 17, 18 shots, have at it. Griffin's probably going to get 17, 18 shots. That's fine for a one-day thing. I don't know that I would trust them in uh, additional ball games. On the Chicago side, Ayo Dusumu left this one after, uh, what, a quarter and a half, dealing with the... He took a shot to the abdomen... Alex Caruso's been out. If you really wanted to get audacious, you could try streaming Kobe White. But again, I just feel like, you know, we talk about a Bogdanovich, and we'll come up uh, across some other names as we work our way through this weekend backwards. There are better options, both on the streaming side and on the rest of season side. Toronto lost again. The Raptors are a little sickly these days. You know that I, Brew likes to talk about Aaron Brewski, for those that don't know who Brew is. Uh, Brew likes to talk about teams being kind of sick, like an ill box score. Not in like the 90s sick or ill. That would be a good thing. I'm talking about like actually under the weather. And Toronto's box scores are under the weather. I know OG Ananobi wasn't healthy for this game, but everybody's got somebody out at this point of the season. Freddie Van Fleet's shot still isn't really working. Um, how far has he fallen at this point? 59? Almost exclusively because he's turned into a like a full punt field goal guy, and you almost can't stomach what he's done to that. But he is a buy low because it kind of can't get any worse than it is right now. Gary Trent slid into the starting lineup. He was solid. He was one of the like few semi-positives for the regulars on this team. Siakam was bad. Scotty Barnes was atrocious. I think this game might have dropped him out of the top 100, and it did. Scotty Barnes, number 102. You guys may recall, during draft season, we talked about, okay, where is this magical extra value coming from for him? And it was the weird... I think Josh and I talked about this, Josh Lloyd. Uh, like, where was the point guard Scotty Barnes really going to happen? Because, like, Freddie's still there and Siakam's still there, and these are the guys that are handling the ball first, and it hasn't materialized. There isn't really a, an obvious play here with Toronto, unless we find out that Ananobi's going to miss a bunch of ball games. That would be Chris Boucher, uh, but it seems like we kind of missed that one because it had already happened. As far as Orlando goes, I do have a couple of thoughts on the Magic. First of all, Mo Bamba jumped over Mo Wagner for playing time in this ballgame. Now, Wagner did have foul trouble but Bamba was playing better. He was a plus 11, so they sort of let him ride. Wagner was a minus 2 in his minutes on the floor. I think you generally with Orlando stream whoever the starting center is, uh, but if these two guys do fall into a total timeshare until Wendell Carter Jr. comes back, then f feel free to move on. 
Bull Bull slowing. Um, he, you know, he did the Brook Lopez thing here where he still got his, his blocks, and so that'll keep his value from tapering off much, even on a slower ball game, and that's good news. Um, but he has taken a step back in recent months. Where the heck is Bull Bull at right now? Uh, oh, we're looking at... Ah, there we go. Switch it up. I was looking at totals. Bull Bull's number 56. Um, Scotty Barnes is actually number 115 because he has been healthy. So, it, you know, for Bull, he hasn't fallen that far yet because of the defensive stats, because he is very unicorn-esque. But we've all seen the tapering. And I ran a couple polls on Twitter over the weekend, and I think we have a few names that you might be able to exchange him for, but we'll do that over on social media. So that'll again be at Dan Bespris uh, over on Twitter, and we'll talk about if you wanted to abandon ship on the Bull Bull thing. And I don't know that you have to, because I think a lot of folks are panic-selling him. He's still probably going to be okay. Uh, but, you know, the rigors of an NBA season are kind of laying into him a little bit. Also of note, Cole Anthony outplayed Markel Fultz in this one. Fultz, once again had foul issues, there's other stuff going on with him, so you're holding there, but we're seeing some of the limitations as he kind of gets into the swing of things, and then you'll see the rust come off, but then you'll see the fatigue come in, and there's all these things that he kind of needs to work his way through. Uh, for Anthony, he's extremely up and down, just like Fultz has been so far. I don't know that either of them is a safe start on the Roto side. I'm not. Frankly, you want to know what I'm doing. I'm not starting either of them in Roto. You could probably start both of them when the Magic have a good stretch of schedule on the head-to-head -head side. Because, again, that's where you're like, okay, you know, top 120 in a good schedule. That makes sense. Magic are off until Wednesday. Like a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. So starting on Wednesday, they do have four games in six days. If you waited until Friday, it would be three games in four days. So that might be your opportunity if you wanted to shoot some Orlando Magic into your lineup. Working our way backwards. The Knicks beat the Kings 112-99. Kings have been a bit more pedestrian without De'Aaron Fox. Not a huge surprise. They're still fine, but they need him. 14-11 overall, so that's the good news. Kings are well on their way to beating the season win total. Thank goodness, because I have a lot of money riding on that over. Please, Kings, you know, find some victories here, even with Fox out. Uh, with no Fox around, it's going to make a lot of guys more interesting. Malik Monk has been extraordinarily cold, but he has just this massive opening with Fox Hurt. Kevin Herter has taken a little better advantage of it, but for some reason can't hit a free throw right now. The whole Kings team couldn't hit a free throw in this game. And then Keegan Murray has been better the last couple of games. And I don't want to go down the long Keegan Murray thing because there's so much nuance with this rookie discussion that people keep... Uh, like, oh man, the lack of nuance on Twitter is really hard. And I, I guess that's why the podcast or the video cast is, is a, a better venue to talk about this stuff. But for some reason, after I called Keegan Murray a buy low early in the season, people started saying that I was very pro-Keegan, which, as you guys know, long-time listeners of the podcast, even short-time listeners of the podcast, you guys know I hate rookies. I'm like old-timey Rick Carlisle with these guys. I won't play him. New Rick Carlisle, he plays rookies sometimes. But old-time Rick Carlisle, he wouldn't touch him. But, as we've talked about with the idea of the sell high, sell high doesn't mean abandon ship. It means lock in value. Buy low doesn't mean do whatever you can to go get a guy. It means lock in value on the flip side. 
So when Murray was disastrous the first five weeks to start the year and he was getting dropped in a lot of places, you pick him up because we know how this arc goes. Rookies are bad for a couple months, then they're sort of bad for a month, and then they're mediocre for a couple weeks, and then they're okay. But you got to get there, and it doesn't happen overnight. Jalen Brunson turned an ankle. Everybody wants to turn an ankle on Sunday. You're not cool unless you turn your ankle. My hope is that Emmanuel quickly gets a little bit of breathing room here. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but damn it, we can dream. We can dream. If quickly gets a start, I don't know that it actually makes him that much better from a fantasy standpoint, but the Knicks are off until Wednesday, so we don't have to do anything about it right now anyway. Then they've got a Wednesday, Friday uh, double dip in Chicago. They got the Bulls, both of those games, and both of them on the road. The reason I say I don't know if starting makes quickly better is that then suddenly he's going to have to line up in the usage freight train behind Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, and it's sort of better that he can come off the bench and chuck a little bit. But Quickly's fun. He has a cool fantasy game. You know, field goal percent is going to hurt you a little bit, but he can score, he can assist, he can hit the three, he's good at free throws, he gets some steals. Starting, I mean, yeah, obviously if he plays 32 minutes instead of 24, it's better for him, but I don't know if it moves him as far forward as we need. Regardless, we'll check in on that in uh, about 36 hours' time. Mitchell Robinson was in foul trouble. It didn't really matter for Isaiah Hardenstein. He still got he got 26 minutes. That's the good news. Bad news is four points, nine boards, and a steal just isn't going to get the job done. And it just seems like it's not going to be the year. Ah, well. Lakers beat Detroit. Big games from Anthony Davis and LeBron. 34 and 35 points for the two of those superstars. Lonnie Walker still just barely doing enough to maintain his spot on rosters. So hold him on rosters. And then for Detroit, they've become a weird, almost lightning rod for me to talk about on this podcast, so screw it, we'll do it again. We almost need to go through Detroit player by player. Slowing us down here on this this reverse, it's not a lightning round when you get to the Pistons. All right, here's where I am with the Pistons. First, Jaden Ivey, not good, 9-cat right now. Probably will be by February. Sort of a luxury stash, similar thing, but a little bit better, not ranking-wise, but just sort of like an easier path to getting over that hump because he's playing and doing stuff right now, and he has one of the highest usage rates on the team. Isaiah Stewart, he's a hold for me. Um, he was fine yesterday, but not great. He's more kind of in that streamer territory. And when I say streamer, I don't mean the super stream, like he's filling in for an injured guy. I mean more of like the schedule streamer land. But centers are hard to come by these days, so that probably pushes him maybe more towards the hold side. Jalen Duran. Starting, I know, Isaiah Stewart, technically the power forward. Jalen Duran starting at center for Detroit. Uh, he didn't really get involved on offense in this game, and a lot of that has to do with going up against Anthony Davis as at the five on the other side, and Duran didn't get a bunch of time against Thomas Bryant. That was when Marvin Bagley was out there, so he got to be a little bit more aggressively, or aggressive, I should say. Bagley, no. Duran, yes. I'm hanging on to Duran. I liked what I saw. Uh, really good energy on the glass. A little bit Jared Vanderbiltian. Jared Vanderbiltian. You guys get what I'm going at here. Uh, rebounds, dunks, steals, and blocks. And if I can get those things, and if he can only take two free throws a game, I'll be satisfied. His free throw stroke has been awful so far this year, but he shot 63, I believe, percent in his last year of college. So there's reason for optimism that the 49% is going to trend up 
kind of out of the full tank mode and into just it's hurting you a little bit zone. And those bigs are hard to come by. So hold on, Duran. Hold on, Stewart. Ivy the stash. Sadiq Bey, meh. I'm not into it. Burks, no. And then obviously Boyan Bogdanovich is a start. He's the one guy on that team that's that's consistently inside the top 100, top 90, top 80, whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Like, you guys keep yelling at me about how I'm not bullish enough on Killian Hayes. I, I think I'm just bullish enough. I think I'm almost exactly the right amount of bullishness on Hayes. He's been, like, around a top 100 fill-in for Cade Cunningham. And he's going to have a game or two where he pops off and has a top 50 line. And then he's going to have a game where he goes cold as ice. And he's top, you know, 175. And it's going to level out to around probably 90 to 115. And that's useful because, again, you know, you can hunt assists. You can hunt steals. Those are pretty reliable with him, even on bad games. The stuff that bounces way up and down, field goal percent, turnovers, free throw percent, stuff like that, scoring in threes. If those are not the things you're hunting, if you just want assists and steals, he's pretty consistent in those. And then the other stuff fluctuates. Joel Embiid, the big line of the weekend, 53-12. and 12. Oh, boy. Uh, he's back, and he is roaring. Over the last month, he's number two, just behind Anthony Davis. Overall on the year, Embiid is up to number five now. He's passed uh, a lot of names that he was behind a week ago, actually. I think he was, like, in the 17-18 range, and he's just been storming since then. He's basically in a dead heat with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, for that 4-5 spot, they're just a tiny bit behind Steph Curry, who's just a tiny bit behind Kevin Durant, and then everybody's way behind Anthony Davis, running away with it right now. But hey, look, I wasn't nearly bullish enough on Anthony Davis, I'll give you that. Uh, I do have him in one or two spots, thank goodness. Remember the guys, I remember back in, I think it was in August, I did a series of five shows, or six shows, on who had the best shot to be number two in fantasy this year, and we landed on Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid. Doesn't seem so crazy right now. Uh, four of the five starters for Philly are good to go. That's fine. Terry Rozier has been a little better lately. Folks, I don't know if we've all noticed it, but Terry Rozier over the last two weeks is number 52, and that's without defensive stats. So we got something a-brewing. Meanwhile, Jalen McDaniels has kind of found himself a little bit. You know, the first time that Gordon Hayward was out... Jalen didn't really do anything. This time, he's kind of doing stuff. He's inside the top 100 over the last week. I'm officially putting him on the Superstream board. Superstream, again, doesn't mean that they are, like, the most superist. It's not like Super Mario where these... Actually, you know what? It is like Super Mario. That's a perfect analogy. It's guys who come in as little tiny, and they chow down on a magic mushroom. The mushroom being someone in front of them gets hurt, and then they get big. That's what happened with Jalen McDaniels. He wasn't very good. Guys went down in front of him. He's big now. Perfect. That's the perfect analogy. What it's not, to call him a super stream, indicates how high they are on the board. It just means that they're a player that bounces from one side of the cut line to the other because of an injury. Maybe I should take the name stream out of it because that's been kind of confusing for folks. Everybody thinks that they hear streamer and they think, guy I plug in when they have a good schedule. I've referred to those guys for a long time as schedule streamers and these injury bump guys as super streamers 
But perhaps that's not clear enough, and that's fine. Um, we'll clean it up. I'll come up with a new name. I'm not going to do it on the fly on a podcast, but uh, we'll clean it up. And then the first game on Sunday, you know, lunchtime out here, Pacific Coast, the Larry Nance show, dare we call No, that's not fair. Uh, Nance was awesome again in a competitive game. McCollum finally had a good ball game. Boy, did he need one of those. My goodness, CJ has been quite bad lately. I mean, the team is winning, so that's good. He's number 76 overall. This game jumped him about 15, 20 slots up the board, so that was also really good. Uh, he was always a buy low down in the 90 range, uh, but I do think that he settles probably more in the 60 zone this year. I don't think he gets up into that 35, 40 spot where some of the hope was. Meanwhile, willing to admit, I was too low on Zion. He looks awesome this year, uh, and he's playing, which is a big deal because that's one of the fears. Now, obviously, that could disappear at some point, uh, but Zion's excellent. He's been number 41 over the last month, he's been at a 75% free throw clip, which, again, that's one of those little things. Like, you turn a guy, that's what we were just talking about with Jalen Duran, although with Zion, he actually takes a lot of free throws. Just going from being a punt free throw guy to a I'm real bad free throw guy in fantasy is a huge difference for a player's rank because now... If you have Zion shooting 75% on his high volume instead of 70 or 71, you really only need, like, DeMar DeRozan to cover him up. Maybe that's not a great example because you'll lose three-pointers. You really only needed Damian Lillard at the front of your draft to cover him up, as opposed to before, you needed both of those guys. And it sort of, and it tanks what you can do with the rest of your team. Zion, at least for the moment... Hasn't been that the last month. So kudos. Zion's kicking butt. It's fun to watch him succeed. Like when, when we're fading him on a fantasy draft, it's not because I don't want him to be good. It's because I haven't seen it yet. And I didn't have any reason to believe that he was going to just sort of fix his free throws. Defensive stats have also been better for Zion so far. So it's possible that he settles back down a little bit. But he's been very good. And his team is winning. Trey Murphy. Uh, I still call him a super. I got in a bunch of arguments with folks on Twitter and it's again it's a nomenclature thing because I called him a super stream everybody's like no he's not a streamer I'm like okay fine but like please try to understand why I used that terminology Trey Murphy came off the bench behind a healthy Pels team for nine days November 4th through November 12th I'm counting the days at both ends to make it nine in those games he was in the 160 range that's the only real data we have on Trey with a healthy Pelicans team. Will the Pels be fully healthy all year? Right now, it seems like the answer is no. It's happened for a week and a half out of eight weeks of basketball. That's not a lot. So Murphy's been able to basically just be a starter for the whole season, and he's number 49 on a per-game basis. But what happens if the usage rug gets yanked out from underneath him? We still don't know. Obviously, you're starting him while he's a starter for this team. And Herb and B.I. are still out. So no change to what you're doing there. But what, I'm, what I am seeing is that I dramatically need to change my nomenclature. Because the term Superstream has been pulled in all of the wrong directions. And I'll come up with something new. Najee Marshall was good again. Uh, not good enough for me to trust it long term. Dyson Daniels was good again. But same kind of thing. I just I don't know if I can take the plunge. Now, if Daniels is starting, that does make it a little bit of an easier move to make. 
eh, we'll see. The one that you definitely need to be all over is Larry Nance. And frankly, talking about him a half an hour into a podcast is burying the lead. Uh, we talked about him at great length late last week because the Pels finally had some games that weren't blowouts. And remember, we went through all of their recent box scores, how every game for the Pels was a blowout win or loss, except for one game against Oklahoma City like two and a half weeks ago, and Nance was hurt for that one, or sick or something. I don't remember what kept him out. But two games back against Detroit was the first time Nance had been active in a competitive Pels game in almost three weeks. Now you got three competitive Pels games in a row, and Nance is a superstar which is what we've always known about Larry. When he gets decent minutes, he's a fantasy stud. On the year now, Nance is number 66, 9-cat, in 23 minutes per game. He is a rest-of-season ad. People are like, well, what about Brandon Ingram and Herb? Yeah, but guess what? He's playing center. He's taking JV's minutes. A couple of minutes at power forward here and there, but mostly center. Willie Hernan Gomez played like a minute and a quarter in yesterday's game. Like, the center minutes are basically Nance when it's not JV. And these competitive games, and I know Valanchunas had some foul issues, but he wasn't going to be able to hang with Phoenix anyway. Do I need Nance to play 34 minutes a game? No. Would I like him to? Sure. 34 minutes a game, he's probably a top 30 fantasy play. Maybe better. Not going to happen, but 23? Absolutely, we can get to that. Larry Nance, maybe, arguably, your ad of the weekend. Uh, as we flip from Sunday back to Saturday, this feels like a good a time as any to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by our pals at Manscaped.com, the land of male grooming. You remember what Bruce said a few weeks back on one of our live shows? He was talking about how there's very rarely um, there's very rarely a company that devises an item where everybody simultaneously goes, oh, dang. That was Manscaped.com, whenever it was, five, six years ago when they came out with their stuff. And you guys can see it. Those of you watching on YouTube today, you can see as, as I kind of scroll through some of the stuff on their website. First of all, you got to know our coupon code. It's Ethos20, Ethos20, to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. I, and I know that they're going to kill me for this. I say it every time. The Lawnmower 3.0 is, in my estimation, the best sideburn trimmer ever made. You can see it. It's on sale from 80 down to 70. Our coupon code will knock another 14 bucks off of that. So that'll be just uh, 56 bucks and free shipping. 56 bucks and free shipping to get the last sideburn trimmer you will ever need in your life. That's that. It's as simple as that. It's sleek. Comes in this really neat case. You can see the, the size of it. It's, a, it's handheld. It's water-resistant. And my favorite part, it is pinch-free. Ethos 20. 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. Get the Lawnmower 3.0 or any of their very cool products. This is a really cool one, too. It's called the Crop Shaver. It's a three-blade razor. Everything that they talk about, they refer to in terms of groin, but it doesn't have to be. The shears, the luxury nail kit, there, there's one that doesn't have to do with the groin. Check them out. They've been partners with us for, I think this is our third season with Manscaped, and that's because you guys have done your part to uh, go get cool stuff over there, and then they keep coming back to us. 
Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Um, Saturday. Let's go through Saturday. We'll do it backwards also. We'll try to pick up the pace a little bit here. Um, Portland, no real news there other than, you know, Anthony Simons had a really good shooting game, but we've already seen with him, with Jeremy Grant, some of the role stuff trending down with Damian Lillard back. You knew that was going to happen. Are they still going to be decent? Yes, but they're not going to be where they were. More importantly from this game, on the Minnesota side, we've now seen Kyle Anderson slow-mo get big minutes in a couple in a row. And it seems like maybe they tried a couple of things. We're like, eh, maybe we can be better. We can fill in with somebody else. And then they ultimately came back to slow-mo. Uh, he looks like an awesome fill-in for Carl Anthony Towns. Do it with confidence in a way that uh, Jalen Noel, you just can't because he's so reliant on scoring. Slow-mo is reliant on nothing. He'll score a little, rebound a bunch, assist a bunch, steals, blocks, percentages are pretty good. It's a lot to like with slow-mo on the fantasy side. And basically every time he's gotten starter minutes in his career, he's been a good fantasy play. I've gotten a lot of questions about Jaden McDaniels while we're hovering over the Timberwolves. Uh, he's still number 96 on the season. But admittedly, a lot of the stuff that we were hoping we would get out of him, which would be like more than three rebounds per game, hasn't been there. He's been able to float his value with a steal and a block and a three-pointer. He's a Danny Green 1-1-1 guy right now and good field goal percent. But not many rebounds. Uh, that's been a little bit disappointing. I'll be perfectly square with you. And he had zero in this game. And I know he and Slow Mo are sort of like small forward, power forward. And I know Rudy Gobert is going to get a lot of them. But, you know, if you're a wing or a forward, I need you playing starters minutes. You got to get me more than three boards. And so for McDaniels, you probably look for your next opening to you know, maybe one or two good ball games in a row. You could swap them for somebody else that's also in that kind of 90 to 110 range that just feels a little bit more comfortable. Like, frankly, I think I'd probably rather have Royce O'Neal. They're right neck and neck. Neal's, O'Neal's in a brutal shooting slump, so his field goal percent is down to 37 and change on the year. But, you know, he'll probably have a week coming up where he shoots 60%, and then he rockets forward in a way where, you know, with McDaniels, yeah, you get the better field goal percent, but lower rebounds, lower assists, similar steals. I guess McDaniels has the blocks edge right now, but fewer three-pointers. John Conchar has been good in there. Mike Conley's actually in that range. Probably can't get him there, but worth a shot. Oddly, Giannis Adetokounmpo's in that range, but clearly that isn't happening. Uh, let's keep working our way through this thing. Um, Denver. I think now, by the way, with Bones, I think we can also uh, pretty well settle into this notion that he's a schedule stream level play. KCP, probably the same story. Bruce Brown is probably also the same story there now. For a while, Bruce Brown was a super stream. And again, I'm going to come up with a better word today. I'll figure it out on Twitter. But now that Jamal Murray's taking 20 shots a game, there just sort of isn't enough. And we thought that with Brown, there'd be enough rebounds or assists. Uh, Denver's become much more Jamal and Jokic-centric offensively. And so they're also then getting all of the assists. So I think we can probably move on from the Bruce Brown stream, except, again, if Denver has a, a stretch of, you know, three games and four nights or something like that. Uh, and otherwise, Jokic, Murray, and then if he ever comes back, Michael Porter Jr. might be your only starts in all formats at some point soon. We'll see. 
The Utah Jazz are uh, without a few players in this game. Conley was resting. Sexton has a hurt hammy. Um, Larry Markinen was still out with his illness. Walker Kessler moved back to the bench, interestingly. Maybe they wanted to kind of protect him from Nikola Jokic. But the fact that he's getting 20-plus minutes means he stays on rosters. He's a blockmeister. Absolute behemoth at blocking shots. So keep Walker Kessler on your roster. Uh, the minutes are high enough now to where it warrants keeping him there. Now we'll see what happens when Markinen comes back. It's possible that things trend back the wrong way. Uh, but for now, he's a hold, as is Jared Vanderbilt, whose minutes have ticked up just the littlest bit. Also could be Markinen-related, but you had to like the three steals in that last ballgame as well. No, you're not adding Taylor Horton Tucker. No, you're not adding Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who is going to get a little bit more to do as long as Colin Sexton is out. But when Conley and Clarkson and Markinen are all in there, most likely for their next ballgame, this thing shifts a ton. The one that's right on the borderline for me is Malik Beasley, who has been good enough to start when one player is out. And so if that's Sexton, then Beasley probably still gets the, the Bespris thumbs up. Golden State beat Boston 123-107. I thought Grant Williams would be a better fill-in for Horford, but he had a bad one, and then he had another bad one, and then he got tossed. So, meh. Shuffle along. Not adding Blake Griffin. Clay Thompson, by the way, last month, inside the top 30. Might not have seen it. Also, worth pointing out, Jason Tatum has started to come back down where we all thought he would be, which was kind of in that 8 to 10 range. He's number 7 right now. Who's in jeopardy of passing him? Hard to say. Maybe Kyrie. Maybe Harden. So maybe he does stay at 7. Maybe Halliburton. But either way, uh, he's no longer in that that top two or three. Still very, very good. But you know he wasn't going to shoot 50% all season long. That just, like, that's not his shot profile. If he was right in front of the rim every time, I'd have a little bit of a different tack. He isn't. The question of who is going to fill in for Andrew Wiggins is Jordan Poole. So that one we can just kind of move along because he's already on rosters anyway. Dallas sat Luka in the back-to-back. Just something to keep in the back of our minds if they do it again. Dinwiddie, big bump. Christian Wood, big bump. Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, was already taking a lot of shots. He'll get a bunch anytime Luka sits, but he's been cold now after that hot streak, and then you probably don't go any farther than that. For Chicago, we've already talked about them. I guess we'll see what happens with Caruso. You know, if he had started to carve out a weird little sort of steals niche in that starting unit, but... You know, meh. Cleveland, I think they're hoping to get Donovan Mitchell back for their next ball game, so let's not even worry about their box score from Saturday. Oklahoma City, what an annoying team to handicap. We do this year after year after year, and I keep saying I don't want to do it, and then I do it anyway, and what I'm talking about is getting suckered in by the Oklahoma City roulette wheel, which landed firmly on Alexei Pokashevsky in this ballgame. 16 and 14, five assists, three blocks, massive game. 35 minutes, 34 and a half. He might play 19 in the next one. And that's what happened to Jeremiah Robinson Earl. After he had had really good minutes for about eight games in a row, all of a sudden, gonzo. Extra Darius Baisley. Have some more Baisley. Ah. <sighs> You can go ahead and drop Jeremiah Robinson Earl when he's not playing. I think he's got a game tonight, so head-to-head you get something out of it. Actually, Oklahoma City has a pretty good schedule this week, don't they? We're gonna, yeah, four, they go four times the first six days of the week. So for your head-to-head, don't waste a move moving on or off of Oklahoma City if you already have one. If you don't, 
you can add them because they do have a pretty good schedule, and then you can punt on Sunday, squeeze out one extra game uh, in your schedule at that point. But, like, Roto, no, I'm off of it. I've moved away. Sorry, Robinson Earl, you've fallen off the roulette wheel. And then with Pokashevsky, like, I'm sure as soon as we all pick him up, he's going to go back to playing 18 minutes a game. It's hard not to because we know what a good fantasy stat set he does have. And so he's always going to be over-rostered because of it. Uh, But at the same time, you know, prior to that 34-minute game, his minutes working backwards were 21, 13, 20, 18, 27, 9, 32, 29. That's back when we thought he was going to get minutes every ballgame. But he really hasn't other than, what, two times in the last seven games? That's hard to trust. Problem, of course, is that you kind of have to add him in case it sticks for once. What are the odds it does? I don't know, 1 in 20. But you can't miss it. Clippers beat the Wiz, which is unusual because nobody beats the Wiz. Paul George, big game. Kawhi sat this one out on the back-to-back. So, or excuse me, this is the one he this is, he played this one. He sat the back-to-back out earlier in the week. I'm losing my mind. Kawhi, 30 minutes, 13, 8, and 6. Just getting there, little by little, every ball game, getting there, little by little. Am I adding Marcus Morris? I am not. Do I add John Wall? I definitely don't. What do I do with Evita Zubats now that the Clippers are looking more like the Clippers of yore? I kind of have to hold. He's decent enough most ball games, and he's going to have these extreme clunkers. On the Wizards' side, Denny Avdia, very safe stream with Beal out. Jordan Goodwin, extraordinarily safe stream if Monte Morris and Beal are both out. Uh, but you kind of have to play that one by ear a little bit. Monte has been in and out of the lineup a bit these days. Corey Kispert, I know he played 43 minutes, but didn't really do anything with it. So you can go ahead and leave him off the board. Goodwin's the one. Avdi is an obvious yes. Goodwin's the one that's sort of hanging in the balance. And for him, I think if Monte's out, I start him. If Morris is playing, I probably don't. I can be talked into it, but probably not. No real changes on the Indiana side. Andrew Nemhard is kind of hanging on by a thread. I think we had him either in the tough hold or the drop discussion from Friday. I honestly don't remember. And he's still right in the middle of that pocket because 32 minutes is pretty good for a guy who's, you know, basically the other ball handler in that first unit. But I'm going to need him to take more than six shots in 32 minutes. It's just not enough. And everybody else on this team that played even close to that many minutes had way more shots than that. Halliburton, 15, Heald, 11, Miles, 11, Jalen Smith took 10 shots in only 13 minutes, Matherin, 9, McConnell, 8. I know Nemhard is, is deferring. It's sort of part of his nature here as more of an oversized point guard. But I need you to take more than six shots. So if you can, on the Roto side, probably sit on him. Don't start him head-to-head. You know, he's been decent enough even in this low roll where you could sit on him. So that's why he falls sort of right in between that tough hold and drop discussion. Brooklyn rested their entire team. Just take that box score, crumple it up, and throw it out the window. Miami, they're in a weird way right now also. It seems like their big guns are ready to play. Um, Now, Caleb Martin has actually been decent even with the starting five lately, but it's just not quite trustworthy enough for me. Keldon Johnson's been getting a little bit better on the San Antonio side. Zach Collins 
fouled out, but he did finally play normal minutes, which makes him the clear choice if you're streaming. I know Charles Bassey can do more on a per-minute basis, but if the split here is 30 and to 18, you generally trust the guy playing 30. And then Devin Vassell was decent again. I came off the bench in this ballgame, kind of a little bit of a weird look, but he's been good enough all season long, so uh, no adjustments there. And I think... I say this sort of tongue-in-cheek because you guys know that every week I get to the part where I turn the clock all the way back to Friday, and then I go, hmm, who didn't play Saturday or Sunday? But I would be disingenuous if I didn't let you guys know uh, that one of my Twitter followers named Matt Jeffrey let me know over the weekend. He said, Dan, to help with reverse chronological lightning round Monday, the Grizzlies are the only team that didn't play over the weekend. So to Matt, I say many thank yous. And to all of you guys, I say... The only thing to watch on the Grizzlies is whether or not Steven Adams plays. Because if he doesn't, well, I guess Ja is questionable as well. All right, so you got a few things to watch. If Adams doesn't play, you go hard on Brandon Clark. And if Ja doesn't play, you go hard on Tyus Jones. Also, if Ja doesn't play, John Conchar, who's been what I've referred to lately as a chill stream. He and Torrey Craig are kind of the chill streams. Just like they're going to be almost exactly top 100 level every single game. Which is funny, because we talked about Killian Hayes earlier as a guy who probably settles in that 100 range, but he hasn't been chill about it. Killian's been, boom, top 40, top 200. Conchar and Craig, just 100 every game. Chill stream. If Jaw's out, Conchar probably gets two or three more shots, and so then he does elevate beyond the chill stream. Tyus Jones is obviously the one you make the move on quickly. And then uh, Brandon Clark gets a big bump if Steven Adams is out as well. But I'm trusting Matt that everybody else played, so I'm not going to talk about any other games on Friday. I'm not even going to look at them. And instead, I'm just going to tell everybody that that's reverse chronological lightning round. We'll have a what to watch for or storylines or whatever I've decided to call that over on Twitter as we look ahead towards this Monday evening card. 30 teams in, what did we do it in? About 45 minutes? That's what I try to do. A little more, 47 minutes, something like that. 30 teams, 47 minutes. I can dig it. Shout out to our other partners at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. That's, again, a specialty link if you want to get uh, a bonus three months on your one-year membership to expressvpn.com slash hoopball. And, of course, to thrivefantasy.com. Thrivefantasy.com, promo code there is just ethos. Easy enough. Thrivefantasy.com, promo code ethos. You get a 100% deposit match bonus up to 200 and $50. Folks, thanks so much for listening. It's the beginning of week nine. Good luck in your week ahead. Once again, follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And if you want your fantasy news with sources and analysis, that's Ethos Fantasy BK over on Twitter. Sportsethos.com is the main website. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday, I guess. I suppose that's everything. So long, everybody.